Does that mean we're good? Yes. All wow. right. Welcome to Cars and Kung Fu, a podcast about two entirely different subjects, totally unrelated. I'm your host, Chris Facenti, and I have with me my co-host, Delmar Miner. How are y'all? And Coven Blackman. What's up? All right. So, let's get into it. By the way, you look online, uh, this is uh, in December of 2021 when we're recording this, and uh, Coven just had a birthday. My birthday's coming up, so uh, we'll get right into it. So, Coven. Oh, here we go. Yep, here we go. <clears throat> D&D alignment chart. Woo. Where do you think we put some cars in on this thing? What do we What do we think are some lawful good good vehicles out there? So I had personally me I had a hard time categorizing a lot of these cars. Um, for example, so I was a Civic owner and I'm currently a Miata owner, so I was very biased on some of these. Um, but I'll give you a good example for me was, uh, the Miata I put in lawful good. I really don't think you can get any better, excuse me, any better than a Miata in any category. Okay. It is a pure sports car, despite what many people think, even though Chris is looking at me, but it is a pure sports car. All right. It handles on a dime. It might be underpowered, but it weighs 2,700 pounds, which is light. And you can use it for anything. I mean, that's a track day vehicle, a daily. I mean, it's a drift car on its own. I felt like that was in lawful good. And pop-ups. You can never go wrong with pop-ups. Um, if we go, I'm going to go towards the neutral side of the list. For me, in neutral good, I decided to put almost any vehicle that has the K-Series motor in it from Honda. Uh, so I'm talking RSXs, uh, some of the Hondas. Uh, I believe most of the SIs, um, Acuras specifically, um, I don't think you can go wrong with a K-Series car, but they're usually built, if anybody's tossing a K-Series in anything, they're most likely tossing it in race. Um, so I kind of put that in neutral, just because I didn't feel like it was a, it's a car you can do a lot with, but I don't think it's something you can do a lot with in lawful good, if that makes sense. In chaotic good, uh, I had the Neon SRT4. Um, I really, it's a car that on paper is pretty quick. I mean, it's a good car, but it's also front wheel drive. That doesn't help it in putting it in neutral good, but I didn't, I still believed it was a good car on its own. Uh, going down the list in neutral. Well, while we're while we're on the good, while while I tell you what I thought of, we had on some good cars. I actually okay. agree with you on the on the Miata. I did put it in lawful good. I put the Nissan Z cars in lawful good. Mm -hmm. I feel that uh, they, you know, BMW M series. Uh, these are cars that are all round performers. They do what they're supposed to do. They don't advertise something they can't do. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, neutral good. I looked at a lot of sports cars that that were specifically built and do a good job at it. GTR, the F40, the WRX STI. You know, I felt the they were specifically built to do a mission, and they do it probably better than anybody else. 
in chaotic good, I looked at cars that were built for one purpose and then they kind of got hopped up even by the factory. So I put the Civic Type R. I felt, you know, there's a little chaos in there, but it's still a Civic. You know, you can still mm-hmm. drive it as a Civic, but then it's got a little secret identity to it. Uh, my wife's Integra GSR, kind of along the same thing. It's not a Type R. It's not necessarily the race car, mm-hmm. but it does a lot of things good. Uh, so that's kind of where I landed on, on I'll, good. I'll tell you what I also did for neutral good is I has had like cars like the GT86 or the FRS or the BRZ, depending on who you ask and what year. Um, it was one of those things where, once again, it's a good car. It's kind of like the Miata, but a lot can still be done to it. Uh, I even put the Focus RS in there. Uh, might get hate from the golf community, but I also put golfs in there too. I I mean, they're all right. Well, I looked at a lot of those as... as- Lawful neutral, the '86. I can get it. Yeah. Uh, the Jag XJ, the DB9, Aston Martin. Mm-hmm. These cars, I think, uh, to me, they just kind of miss the mark just a little bit. Mm-hmm. They're kind of searching for an identity. Are they a sports car? And and little things like the the '86, 200 horsepower, could be a little bit more to push it to that sports car or it could have a little more room to be that sporty coupe model mm-hmm. that's not quite there. So that's that's kind of where I looked at. On true neutral, uh, I looked at game changers, mm-hmm. cars that were game changers. The new Corvette C8 to me is a game changer. The Ferrari GTO was a game changer. Mm-hmm. The Nissan Fairlady was a game changer. So, And then in chaotic neutral, the Audi R8. You know, I get it. They made something that they took a, a Lamborghini and threw it in the back of an Audi and just kind of threw that thing together. Uh, the Shelby Cobra, you know, they took a British car, they stuffed a big motor in it, and off to the races. The 200 SX Bluebird, yeah, again, yeah, they took a, a normal vehicle and they kind of just shoved a big motor in it and uh, made a totally different vehicle out of it. What'd you have on the neutral side? So, being in the car community is where I kind of thought of most of my stuff with. Um, Because I'll give you a good example. In Lawful Neutral, for me, personally, I put the WRXs. Not the STI, but most of the WRXs. um, Because most guys in the car community either, even if they have the STI or not, they either... I mean, we don't see, in North Carolina, we don't see much snow we don't see much of anything too crazy with the weather so most guys are either out there racing it's not like they're doing anything of like rally it's not like we're rallying out here but in total in like worldwide i mean it's a car you can do almost anything with because you can race it you can rally it and it's still a good car that's kind of why i put it in neutral i do think it has like that identity but i feel like a lot of people kind of branch out and use that as sort of a different way of doing many things. Uh, I actually put minis on here um, as a lawful neutral. Um, John Cooper works as well. um, Because I just feel like, I mean, it's cars that people use daily. And, you know, I mean, they're good cars besides timing chains. 
but they're good cars and you know i mean i kind of just had them in lawful neutral uh i actually put the nsx in lawful neutral um because honda fanboy but i thought that they were really i did think it's a, it's a good car it's an amazing car um but it just it lacks the mark on some of the supercar standpoints that it really needs to have uh and the s chassis any of the s chassis vehicles i'll put them in lawful neutral because what's an s chassis so s chassis is nissan made a couple of cars throughout the years of i believe starting in the late 80s or early 90s and um they went up to about 2000s and they had this chassis that they used, which referred to as S chassis. But I mean, you had like the S13, Nissan S13, Sylvia. As Sylvia also was in S chassis. That's kind of what it stood for. Uh, the S14, the S15. Um, and people did a lot of stuff with them, primarily drift. Rear wheel drive and it made a little power. I mean, it could slide. That's what most people use it for now. Um, that's why I went with the S chassis. For true neutral, I was talking a little bit with this before we uh, got on the air with Chris, but I put bare bones, 100%, the most neutral car you could get out here right now is the Honda Civic, because it can do, and I am including the SIs and Type R's, and that's why I put it in neutral, because you could get the car to just be a daily and just be able to, you know, get your kid, you know, to college and back. But also, you could go and you could race it. Type R, the SIs, they're good cars. They handle on a dime. I had one. I loved it. I loved it to death, and I still do love it. Um, that's as neutral as you could get. Uh, chaotic neutral. I actually had a lot of muscle cars in this class. Uh, and I'll just sum it up with, I put the Camaro and the Firebird. Obviously, the Camaro, I'm talking some of the newer ones. But adding the Firebird, I'm talking about like the early 2000s and late 90s I just feel like they were just they were cars that had a lot of power and some people just didn't know how to drive them and for some of the Camaros some people still don't know how to drive them but I still didn't see them as being evil cars because people still can use them for good purposes but they definitely haven't been outweighed by the couple last years that they've had and that was my neutral so what was your uh, evil so what was my evil? Well, in Lawful Evil, I went with the Porsche 911. Mm -hmm. Originally, they uh, that car's been around for a long time, many, many generations. Uh, to me, um, it's a purist vehicle, but there's just something about it. They, uh, you know, they have a lot of different, um, they've had some issues with them in the past, they had to go from air-cooled to water-cooled and uh, some different things with that. I looked at the Evo. Mm -hmm. I felt uh, the Evo is a great car, but it's it's just a little little too much. It's not it. as refined as the uh, WRX, STIs, mm -hmm. and, and some things like that. But neutral Evil, I looked at things that started to get out of control. Uh, essentially, race cars for the street. Shelby GT350s, mm -hmm. GT500s. Um, Camaro 1LEs, the C4 ZR1, the original, you know, you had a C4 chassis, you had a 375 or 405 horsepower engine, dual overhead cam, 
all aluminum V8, hard to hard to start to control that thing with that kind of power. Well, for the chassis people, just wasn't wasn't made for it. For the people at home, what's a C chassis? So you asked me about an S know, chassis. The C4, the Corvette has each generation, and so the C4 was made '84 through '96. Mm-hmm. Uh, second longest generation of Corvette made. Um, the C3 being the longest from 68 to 82. So you, you had a lot of, uh, a lot of things going on, um, with the C4, but you know, his chassis is really made for about 300 horsepower and they, they added another hundred to it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then my chaotic evil are just cars that are just outrageous and to me hard to control. Uh, the Hellcat, mm-hmm. yeah, the Viper. I mean, the Viper, when it came out, no ABS brakes, no traction control, V10, loads of torque. I mean, it just went. You know, the Cobras with the V, with the big block V8 in it. Yep. Um, and the, uh, the Lamborghini Countach. I mean, you couldn't see out the back window. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was a hard car to drive. It had a lot of power. Uh, in my generation, which I'm in my 50s, we had them on the wall. I mean, that was a poster you had was mm-hmm. the Countach. Uh, so, um, but they were just out of control. You know, you couldn't see at them. They, they even had a periscope in later models so you could see <laughs> behind you because the back window just didn't function. Kinda what'd so- you have for evil? Also, speaking of Countach, it kind of sounds like some of the new Camaros. <laughs> I can't see. Uh- <laughs> Um, yeah, you got backup cameras at least, though. <laughs> yeah, uh, you got the uh, for lawful evil for me because I grew up in the generation where people didn't know how to drive. Um, I actually have a lot still of don't. yeah, still people still can't, uh, especially in the rain. Uh, Mustangs. Uh, I'm sorry for the Mustang guys. I'm kind of categorizing all of you guys together because God knows. For the last 10 years, you guys have been the meme of the car community because you pull out from your local cars and coffee in like South Carolina, you know, you make that right turn, you see the girls on the side, you know, and I'm going to just give her a little gas, I'm going to floor it, I'm going I'm to slide, you know, you slide out and then you slide into a crowd and then, you know, it was funny, you know, it just became the meme. Um, I did put them in lawful evil because they're still good cars. I still think that they're good cars. It's just power. It's easily attainable to get power in those cars. I've got vets in there too, you know, with their new balances on. I do have vets in there. Uh, same reason as the Mustang guys, but I feel like they are a little more refined than the Mustang guys. But once again, you get a lot of power in a car that doesn't really weigh much 50 50 weight distribution, depending on the year. And some people just didn't know how to drive them. I also will include the Jenny family, which is Hyundai Genesis. Uh, they have the coupes, um, especially in Charlotte and a lot of places around the world. Uh, the Genesis is that vehicle that people slide now and people think it's a cool car. I think it's a cool car. I do like the look of some of them. Uh, the aftermarket forum is crazy, but I just, for a car that was made to be, not the it was just made to be a cheap sports car i mean it's taking the world kind of by storm and you know a lot of people are using them and not in the best interest i've seen a lot of them crash or hear of a lot of them crash but 
or blow up too because the motors are Hyundai. Um, but I have heard of those two. Uh, neutral evil. <clears throat> I went with the G35s, G37s, and I'm talking about my Nissan Zs with the VQ engine sounding like trumpets going down the street. And I joke around with that. Uh, I know a lot of guys who have Zs and who have G35s. And I mean, they're cool cars. I think they're cool. I couldn't see me owning one. But I mean, I think they're cool. But once it's the same thing as some of the Mustang guys. It's, I mean, you guys go and I mean, it's drifting and, you know, it's doing donuts. But then when somebody hits a pole and then there's a problem. So, you know, this is why I put them in neutral evil. <clears throat> and for my chaotic evil, still sticking with the theme of the car community. I'm talking to all you guys with the scatties. I'm talking about the scat packs, which was a different version of the Hellcat, like Chris was talking about before. Guys with Hellcats. I'm talking guys with any 392 Hemi that have a badge on the side of that Charger Challenger and SRT in general is getting out of control. Just a tad. I mean, got a Hemi. (laughs) I mean, but it's getting it's getting a little out of control. Uh, and to be fair, like I had a cousin who actually got rid of his because it just started getting really bad and they started pulling over a lot of chargers just because they were chargers, just because they looked fast. And a lot of people had done stupid stuff in chargers and challengers. They were trying to regulate the Mopar community and that actually turned people away from buying these sort of cars. But these are also cars that you can go and get fairly cheap and have, well, for a new car, I mean, we're talking, if I want 707 horsepower, I'm not spending more than, you know, about 60 grand. I mean, that's a lot of horsepower. And then for the scat packs, those are, I think, maybe you're looking at maybe less than 50. You're talking about about 40 grand for a lot of power that a lot of people can't control. That is wildly in chaotic evil for me. And that's all I had for my whole chart. Hey, I'm with you. All right. So, keeping with the same uh, alignment chart, uh, we did one on martial arts. So, uh, Delmar. Yes, sir. So, uh, we've got our uh, lawful good and our, our whole alignment chart. So, so what arts you think are, are lawful good? So, the arts that I think are lawful good are Tai Chi, Bagua, and Aikido. Um, and part of the reason that I went with lawful good is because a lot of times when people practice those arts, um, there are um, lots of techniques that are being taught. Um, But I think, especially nowadays, so I'm kind of basing this off of, you know, modern times that you're seeing a lot of people who practice these arts, but it's not leading to fighting skill. But you still can categorize those people as martial artists because it does take a lot of skill to perform those arts correctly. So I see these arts as lawfully good arts, in my opinion. Well, I agree with you on the Tai Chi. I also put traditional Aikido in there. Um, I looked at it a little differently, thinking that, excuse me, with the uh, Tai Chi and Aikido, those arts have to be done correctly, specifically. You cannot uh, be sloppy. It has to be precise or you're not going to get the benefit out of it. Um, my wife, you know, is a Tai Chi instructor, uh, 
she does practice the martial aspects of it also. Um, but you have to be precise. Uh, you cannot just joke around and you can, you know, haphazardly punch in a lot of external arts, but you have to be precise in Tai Chi or the, the Aikido. Now, I actually put Bagua in neutral good, along with Liho Bafa and Ishinru. Um, I felt that these arts were uh, developed from the core and have branched out and uh, have done a good job in uh, teaching the same subjects uh, with just a little more flair and a little more um, stylistic uh, stylistic devices to them. So like with Bagua, you're still studying the internal art, but now you're using the eight triams. Um, Liho Bafa is a mixture of a lot of different internal arts. Uh, and then Ishinru is probably the most internal of uh, the Japanese styles of karate. It's interesting that you say that with me being an Ishinru practitioner that, you know, you, you uh, categorize it as uh, it being more internal. Uh, I, th I think that's quite fascinating. I guess when I, you know, when I go back in my practice, I will definitely try to look for more in uh, internal aspects. But, you know, I, I can definitely see how you categorize those martial arts under neutral good. Uh, for myself, I kind of went more, uh, more of the category route with my uh uh with my listing so i said under neutral good that boxing and judo were neutrally good arts um and the reason I, i'm saying this and i guess i'm kind of coming from more of a a combat perspective um i feel like they are just basic arts that if you learn those arts they can branch out into any other style that you do the footwork uh, the grappling um those are going to be, you know, key to any kind of self-defense or even combat sport or, or, you know, or if you want to compete or whatever. So I feel like if you learn, you know, good boxing work, good judo skills, um, I mean, those will carry you into, you know, any other martial art. You know, I actually have all that under true neutral uh, okay. uh, with judo and, and uh, modern fencing even. Um, a lot of good skills are taught there. Um, a lot of... Uh, good anything that you can branch out and I look at neutral as, as the base so I totally agree and understand that now neutral evil I kind of looked at wushu and some chang chuan and um, arts that were made for an ulterior purpose now they, they, they are martial arts they keep the same aspects but like wushu was made as a performance art uh, to be the national art of China. Uh, Chang Chuan was made as military art put together. I would put uh, Defendu or uh, the arts of Colonel Rex Applegate and some of the World War II fighting arts that uh, American and British soldiers learned. These arts, while martial arts, uh, and have a lot of those aspects as they were based on Chinese martial arts or Japanese martial arts, uh, they did not necessarily uh, were made for the same purpose as you would make a martial art for um, to include all the aspects of self-enlightenment and self-expression and things like that.
For me, I for my true neutral, I actually went with Okinawan karate, um, specifically Okinawan, um, Chinese kung fu and Muay Thai. Um, for me, and I kind of felt more personal uh, when I listed this category because I felt like, you know, and of course this is all based on you know if you have competent instructors for all of these. So I want to make that clear why you know why I'm making some of the choices that I'm making, but I feel like if you have a good teacher who teaches you good kung fu or good muay thai um i listed that as well under there um good okinawan karate those systems have a lot of skills that not only you can compete with but you can also be able to defend yourself with um and i feel like uh those arts were really created you know for that aspect um when they're taught correctly what do you think about neutral evil so for neutral evil, I actually went with Kempo and Sambo. Um, and, and one thing about Kempo is that, yes, it is it is quite regimented. But now you're starting to see a lot more people um, delve out into um, different aspects of Kempo. Kempo has become very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it, it has become so... Encompassing? Yes, uh, there's a variety now. You can go to a Kempo school and while there's going to be, you know, some similarities, you're going to see a lot of differences. And it doesn't mean that they're all bad. Uh, you know, you may see some Kempo that has more Chinese influence, some Kempo that has more Japanese influence, some Kempo now that has more American influence. So every Kempo school that you go to is definitely going to be different. Um, and I mean, that's with any martial art, but. Still, like with Kempo, Kempo, you're going to find a lot of different variety and style uh, within their doors. I get that a lot. I, I understand what you mean. There's even a Kempo school in Charlotte. I know when I studied there back in the dark ages, late 80s, early 90s, we did a lot of uh, modern Arnis. And now I understand that uh, they teach uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu at the Kempo school along with uh, Kempo. And speaking of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I put that under lawful evil, along with Ed Parker's Kempo. Uh, I felt that uh, these were arts that had a really good foundation and really branched out from that foundation. Uh, kept a structure, but so they kind of kept the, the same structure, but then really, really branched out to uh, some different areas um, while keeping true to the martial arts. So... It's kind of where I went with that on on lawful evil. Sticking on evil, actually, I, I actually want to talk about this one, um, and I may uh, facilitate some interesting conversation. But with my chaotic evil, I actually went with Jeet Kune Do and Krav Maga. Uh, and for me, I went chaotic because I feel like these arts now are just you just throw poo on the wall and whatever sticks sticks. I, I get that. Um, for my chaotic evil, I went with Koshin Kai and, and White Eyebrow, um, Bach May. Uh, these styles have a, a history of being in quite rough. Um, but now I, was, I went with uh, Chaotic Neutral with Jeet Kundo and Wing Chun. Um, you have a lot of good Wing Chun and you have a lot of bad Wing Chun. And uh, you hear both. Um, same thing with Jeet Kune Do. Uh, you have a lot of good instructors and you have a lot of bad. Um, and they come out of the woodwork. Uh, and, you know, some unscrupulous 
methods at times. So I get why you're you were in the chaotic evil with those. Uh, it does make a lot of sense. They are chaos at best. Um, chaotic good. I looked at a uh, Hungar and Choli Foot, two arts that were made outside of Shaolin. Um, they were made in the chaos of war and unrest and upheaval. Uh, so they're not quite Shaolin, but they share a lot of those con uh, contacts. Same with uh, a lot of Okinawan karate is where I, I put that because they were made out of uh, war um, or oppression and uh, became quite formidable arts, true martial arts. Funny you say that because actually under my chaotic good, I actually went with mixed martial arts, Sancho and boxing. Um, I felt like... Um, those arts now uh, do teach fighting skill, but almost in a chaotic nature in some respects. Um, and and when trained properly, they they do work. Um, I do feel like um, it, it's easy to mixed martial arts could be under a lot of these categories, especially in the chaotic neutral or chaotic evil, because that can be taught on so many different levels. But I think if you go to a, a decent gym, um, it can teach you good skills that, you know, maybe you're not the forms guy. Maybe you're not the traditional guy, but you want to learn some fighting skill. You want to compete, you know, going to a mixed martial arts gym, um, you know, can can lead to some skills, you know, pretty quickly, as we've seen over the years. Um, but, you know, it, it's funny that that you talked about, you know, your picks for chaotic neutral, because under there I had wrestling, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and Swajow. Um while those arts can be chaotic in their nature, especially in how they're trained, I do feel like um, there is still a set technique structure that they want you to go through in order to either progress or to be able to learn that art. But then once it's time to spar or do anything else, you know, it's chaos in nature. So to me, that's why I felt where the chaotic neutral came from. And um, really quick, my lawful evil, I went with Shingi, Kali, and Wing Chun. Um, like I said, I still think those arts are structured, um, but I do feel like um, they can be, uh, while structured, there's still some um, some fighting skill to be learned from those arts. And um, yeah, I think that's it. Oh, my lawful neutral, I had uh, Taekwondo. Okay, for my lawful neutral, which was one we didn't cover, uh, and our super producer, Bonnie, described it as uh, not picking sides. Um, and so I looked at like Xing Yi. Um, every Xing Yi practitioner I've ever met uh, really will dive into Tai Chi and Bagua also. They, they tend not to only learn Xing Yi, whereas I know Bagua practitioners who only do Bagua, and I know Tai Chi practitioners that only do Tai Chi and really don't dabble. But I've never met a Xing Yi practitioner that did not dive right into uh, one of the other arts. Um, and so I, I think that uh, they don't pick sides. They're like, whatever I can learn, I'm going to learn. Uh, I looked at Gaishin Funakoshi, who created Shotokan, so I put Shotokan in there kind of the same way. You know, he changed China hand to empty hand. Uh, he really put uh, karate as a structure, and uh, whatever he can learn, he could learn. So he really, really worked hard on that, so... We'd like to hear your comments on both lists. Mm -hmm. If you want to uh, 
get a hold of us. We have a Facebook page, uh, Cars and Kung Fu, Cars with a K. But if you found us on the on the podcast, and you know that. So we would love to have you out there. We are working on getting some swag. Um, we did go to SEMA, which will probably be the next episode that we'll do in, in the series after that. I know, uh, um, surprisingly, the person that went to SEMA with me, uh, co-host, was not Coven, but it was Delmar. Had a great time at SEMA. I can't wait to tell you guys about my experience. And uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. So check it out. And so you went and Coven didn't. What what do you think about that? Well, you know, this is what I have for my my co-host Coven is that I delve, I mean, balls deep into your world. I had no idea about cars and and things of that nature, but I went and flew on a plane Mm -hmm. all the way to Las Vegas to go to SEMA to basically like get a crash course in the car world. Now, my challenge to you, my friend, is to do the same thing for the martial arts. I mean, COVID won't even come to my school, won't come to your school. (laughs) I really will not. (laughs) Um, I don't understand. We don't understand. You know, one day, one day out there. You know, know, I'll take that challenge one of these days. Um, We'll have to probably do a whole show on that. Um, for those that don't know, our super producer Bonnie is also quite the martial artist, and uh, she she will be there on that day. Whoop, whoop. I'm sure I'll even let uh, maybe maybe Bonnie uh, teach Coven a few things. So, so this so car history, as you know, I like to go into these little things. 1916, William Wild Bill Durant regained control of General Motors by trading Chevrolet car stock. For GM stock, he secretly built the Chevrolet car company with a famous race car driver at that time, Louis Chevrolet, and built a car that was capable of uh, running with the Model T and actually outsold Ford at one time. So uh, General Motors, who had ousted uh, Wild Bill Durant earlier, said, hey, we want to acquire Chevrolet, and he popped up and said, well, sure you can. I'll just need some GM stock for Chevrolet stock, and I'll be back in control, which he he did. We'll hear more about Duran on future episodes. So, also, Kung Fu history, or just general martial arts history. 1976, Colonel Rex Applegate uh, updates his book, Kill or be killed, or get killed rather, kill or get killed. Uh, it essentially the SWAT manual was what came out in 1976 uh, from the shooting in Austin, Texas by Charles Whitman. Um, they said that, well, we need special weapons and tactics to fight mass shootings, uh, and they had serial killers at that time, although they didn't call them that. So they went to Colonel Rex Applegate, who is quite the... Uh, quite the martial artist um, and we will find out way more about him we might even do a whole show on the uh, contributions of uh, Rex Applegate and others but he uh, put that book out to the public it's essentially a swap manual it covers riot control and everything in 1976 so we want to as always coming to you from uh, it's not so sunny today but downtown Mint Hill 
from uh, our recording studio right in our super producer Bonnie's uh, living room. So shout out to Bonnie Lee. Woo-hoo-hoo. Yep. And thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time.